Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Give that old thumbs up. Subscribe there as well. Joining me today, Louis Asman, managing editor at Raptors Republic, to do a confidence check on the very unconfident Toronto Raptors. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I, um, you know, my family seems to think that the Raptors losing is like cause for checking in on my mental health. Like, how are you? How's life? I'm good. I'm fine. Them losing does not affect me. Just changes the stories I write. That's all. Really? Um, that's interesting because the uh, Golden State Warriors game, my wife was looking at me a couple of times like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm just, I try not to let how this team performs impact me, affect me and like, yeah. you know, affect my mood. But like that one was really got me down. I'm like, this really that one got you. That one got me of all the losses so far this season. I kept on thinking that there's a, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. But that was a game yeah. to me where I felt like, wow, like their spirit's gone. And that yeah. to me is a big problem. When the spirit goes, that means like I think of when Sam Mitchell got fired, right? And not that that was going to happen, but you could tell it when that when they lost the game against the Nuggets, I believe, like something's about to change because this like the spirit isn't there. They're not competing. They're not doing anything right. Something is about to change here. Um, again, I'm not saying that this is going to happen with the Toronto Raptors. It just I had that gut feeling, and I was very sad that night. <laughs> but yeah. you know. Um, actually, well, your thoughts on the 76ers game, because they obviously, they, they did rebound from a spirit compete level. OG comes back. Um, but same result, six losses in a row. We're jumping in hot and heavy spirit gone and coaches fire. Uh, so I messaged Samson with maybe good guy, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Samson folk, another Raptors, public writer, podcaster. Um, and I said, if they lose this game, that would be a disaster. Not that they will, I said. They sh- Surely they'll win. And they didn't. Uh, when you put a performance like that forward on both ends, you know, Ken Birch comes through with just unbelievable defense on Joel Embiid. His sternum must be just absolutely ground to dust from the, from the hits he was taking. You know, Ananobi comes back, plays his way into the game. Uh, Fred's defense was the best it's been in weeks. Um defense uh, and of course Pascal Siakam has one of the greatest individual regular season performances in Raptors history you know you know like top 30 or something like an insane yeah. game yeah. and then you lose that game in overtime that is worse to me than getting pounded by the Warriors like maybe you can take moral victories I mean you definitely can take moral victories when you're in, when you're on a winning streak and maybe you can take moral victories when you've lost one, two games, four games in a row. There's no, like, it doesn't matter what yeah. the process is. You have to win six losses. Like it just, Pascal could have scored zero points and that would be equal. Mm. It just doesn't matter right now how, yeah. how all of those good things happen. 
I sent a tweet last night that some people didn't really like, but I think it's, I was being sarcastic about it. And I said that like, we're like, we're back baby because the Raptors, you know, great defensive scheme. They executed good enough. Um, Pascal Siakam, all NBA level, and they lose because of their half court offense and the lack of three point shooting. Like we're back, baby. We're back doing this thing. And uh, people didn't like it because I mean, some people didn't get that I was being sarcastic, but um, there are no moral victories for sure. Uh, I guess it's just good to see what well, well, one you see the impact of OG Ananobi, which we're going to get to in a second, um, because his defense was spectacular throughout that game. He didn't have the groove offensively, but um, the impact on that end of the court was absolutely there. I guess after that Golden State Warriors game, you just want to you wanted to know like how are they going to respond, and that is there are no moral victories, but it was good to see them respond in the correct manner. Um, but the flaws of this team are still very apparent and if they fix those will they will those be fixed i don't think health necessarily is gonna uh, fix all these things they banked on internal development to help alleviate some of their issues a lot of that being three-point shooting and it hasn't really materialized necessarily we're gonna get to some of the stuff now but uh yeah this podcast with lewis we're gonna look at a confidence check on assorted raptor z items and you guys can just take it in embrace it and take your your own opinions from the content itself. So first off, Lewis, uh, what is your confidence that the defense will improve once Toronto is fully healthy? I say that in the sense that night by night, game by game, we know what they're going to be giving us each game. Uh, I would say my confidence is a is a seven. seven uh, they 10. just we have too that. many. Yeah. yeah, they have too many good defenders. To not be a relatively good defensive team. Um, Fred Van Vliet is not the all-NBA caliber defender he once was. Um, I think we can say that with relative confidence based on how he's played all season. He can still be a good defender, and he was a very good defender last night. I don't think we can expect very good every night, but at, but at least good. Um, you know, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are, are world leaders on that end. Precious Achua slots in right with them. Um, Scotty Barnes has been better off ball uh, a little here and there. And, you know, on ball, we've seen him better than like he can be better than he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's been just disastrous on the ball. Um, But like all of those players can play good defense. They can all do it together even. Sure. um, Maybe. So I think I have confidence they they will play good defense most of the time. Um. But on the games when they play good defense, maybe the three-point shot will go. Uh, maybe Fred doesn't doesn't score. Maybe his driving is gone. Maybe Pascal doesn't hit those mid It's like there's so many ifs. Because, you know, I was looking through the list, and I was, was like, oh, you know, I'm six, seven on almost – I'm confident about everything. But, you know, 70% on its own is great. But when you add like eight, 70% together, yeah, the odds of that hit – like flip a coin, you know, Weighted coin, 70% chance of heads. You flip it seven times in a row. What are the odds of getting seven heads? Anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm talking about seven confidence things. We only talk about one. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. And my uh, my problem with this team from the get-go, and this is, I, I, I'm unsure why they didn't look at addressing this uh, during the offseason, is like, okay, so your half-court offense, it is at a point where it is impacting how good your defense can be. And it's not just like the fact that, you know, transition defense, transition opportunities for the other team, um, it puts stress on your defense. Like, that's one point. But as a from a morale standpoint, if you keep on missing shots, your defense is going to suffer, 
right? It is deflating yeah. in this in the same sense that when you're making shots, you get a little pep in your step and things are feeling good. And more often than not, in most games, right, like the the shooting has not been good. The half court offense process, I don't think, has been where it should be. I think there is something to what they're trying to create. I just I just think they have to perfect it. They have to do it with a little bit more purpose, a little bit more intent. And I haven't really seen that consistently yet. And I think that is a difference maker and how good the Raptors are going to be this year and the years forward is how good can you make your half court offense with teams and players or players that just don't necessarily have like the typical skill sets that you would need for your know, drill penetration, um, making three point shots. And like, do you have the kind of time just to wait on your hands here saying, well, well, hopefully they just get better at it. Like maybe you have to make a switch, but in the end, I mean, they are a very good defensive team like OG and Anobi. I mean, last night, first possession, like it, you could really see it. Like he, you know, he jumps a screen on James Harden, um, Joel Embiid's rolling to the rim. OG recovers there and pokes the ball away. It's like little stuff like that. Like yeah. he is such a huge, impactful player on that side of the ball and he's going to make them better. No doubt about it. I wonder, you mentioned Preston Chua and I don't, maybe you know better than I do, but I don't think they've used him in drop very much this year. And I really like that look yeah. last season. Um, it's been more of a switching manner. And also they haven't really put him into that upper tier of players that, okay, you're going to get 25 plus minutes. Um, he didn't have that. I don't think at any point this season, he's been kind of in the tandem with Chris Boucher. They both come in and depending on how the minutes go with precious and mind you, he's shooting 17% from three, not great. <laughs> so he hasn't been put in that tier, but defensively, obviously he's very impactful, but I, I wonder if he's going to be put into that position, you know, when he does return and he's also going to need a few weeks, few games to get himself right. Yeah. So he's a guy, you know, before I talk about, you know, the, the, the actual X's and O's, um, the Raptors just don't have a lot of problem solvers right now on the defensive end. Um, OG Ananobi is that. You you plug him in, he fixes mistakes. Um, Pascal Siakam is that. Precious is that as well. And when Pascal was the only one, the defense was disastrous. You add OG Ananobi in, you saw how good it was against the Sixers. You can be confident because they intentionally create problems. How many defenses do that? And they say, look, if we just muddy the waters, we put blindfolds on both teams, we're going to mm. trust that we're going to navigate that better than you. And for a period of about two weeks, that just was not true. They were yeah. not navigating that better. With mm. OG, they navigate that probably better than most offenses. With OG and Pascal and Precious, now you're really talking about, okay, if everything is chaos, the Raptors are our advantage. Yeah. Um, so how they use him is... Uh, they like to make things crazy. And so you talked about switching. Yeah, they do switch a lot with him. And they do put him in, you know, in drop a little, but it's more uh, up to touch drop, um, which is guy goes over. Uh, he's actually at the height of the screen, but backpedaling and then recovers to orig his original man. Um, they, they do that a little with ice as well. They use like ice up to touch. Um, they also use him as a, as a blitzer. Um, both switch to blitz and just like a, a trap, you know, traditional blitz. But basically, they use him in as many aggressive schemes as they can get their hands on, um, except not the conservative scheme, not the deep drop that you associate with Marc Gasol or, or Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee a lot this year uh, and, and in past years as well. And, and part of that is, you know, for all of his defensive um, phenomenality, that's definitely not a word, uh, he isn't seven feet tall. 
No, and a no. lot of that deep drop isn't unlocked by athleticism. It's unlocked by just putting your arms up and being gigantic. You know, it's not about quick twitch stuff. And, and Marcus Gasol couldn't beat Precious Chua in a single combine drill. Like, the, you know, the shuttle run, the, 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 the karaoke, just like none of that stuff, the quick feet, yeah. none of that stuff could Gasol beat a Chua in, but he's bigger. And so yeah. he was more equipped for deep drop. So I think um, the Raptors know that and they use a Chua accordingly. True, true, true. So, but with, uh, with Precious, um, the idea, the the vision of the Raptors defense is, you know, pressuring the ball. And they you see that, as you said, in how they use him, like not in a typical drop, but they want it, like they're comfortable, you know, helping him, uh, using him to switch. And also with the the guard or other player who's being screened, like they're comfortable that they're going to be able to come over the top, um, digs, things of that nature. They're going to be able to make that happen. So um, I guess I would just like to see Precious more with the starters. And I don't think we've gotten enough yeah. of a sample size there. Um, him shooting again, 17% on threes this season is a factor he shot with 36 percent last season um that's like yeah. regardless of like his crazy second half and if he starts hitting those shots the minutes will probably come back but um until that happens like there's he's still another person who's on the floor who can great make a great you know defensive impact obviously higher than like you know a thad or chris boucher but another person who just isn't hitting shots speaking of not hitting shots um fred van Vliet. <laughs> so when I posed this question to you, I was thinking, okay, so, you know, Fred's coming off two games where he shot the ball pretty well, Golden State, Brooklyn, uh, he was eight of 19 total. Then we come into this game and he took 11 threes. He made two, eight to me were open to wide open and four of them went in and out. And um, <clears throat> when <clears throat> I think with the rapper fan base, because of the history with Fred, when he gets the ball in late game situations or when he just has an open open three, he has reached the status where you just feel like it's going to go in just because of his pedigree and the years the years we've seen past. Even last season when he was having his knee issues, he would miss like 10 shots. But then that last one with a minute left, he was going to hit it. And last night he missed a lot of great offensive plays that were kickouts to him and he dismissed the shot. It was an overtime. It was late fourth quarter. And if you want to say that, you know, he's a big reason why they, they lost that game down the stretch. I mean, that's kind of fair because when your offense is doing the job and the player doesn't hit the shot, like that is a problem. That's been the case for the Raptors for quite some time. So I have been a Fred apologist for a long stretch of the season, like nonstop. And I'm running out of excuses on this one. So, do you think he's past his shooting woes or do you think this is something that's going to keep on going? Um, maybe there's a bigger issue that's going on. We know OG has had some hand issues. Maybe there's something going on with Fred. I don't know, but your take on that. Yeah, it, it's, you know, shooting by definition is high variance. Um, it's so hard to point to individual games um, because even the game before against against Brooklyn, he hit that, gigantic pull up three with like 40 seconds left to tie the game. And you saw that confidence carry over. And this is what I was going to say is uh, it's hard to point to the numbers uh, in an individual game, but you can see how much a guy trusts a shot. And after he hit that pull up three against Brooklyn, that carried over. You saw in, in, in um, the Philly game, he trusted his three. He was hunting, threes in the first quarter uh the first one i think rimmed like in and out uh he stayed confident he missed you know the next the next 
by the middle of the game, the confidence was not what it was in the beginning. And okay, they're they're open in the in the fourth quarter and overtime. They're wide open. But if you had them under truth serum, you say, do you want to be taking threes right now? Mm-hmm. He would have said no. And he would have said yes to start the game. Yeah. And, and I just I am uh critical, maybe not of the results, but that he is allowing his slump to affect him. A couple times last night in the, I think it was the third quarter, he had open shots that he passed up. He he drove into a crowd instead. When have we ever seen Fred mm. Van Fleet pass up an open three? It's shocking stuff. Yeah. And and I think, you know, are is he over his shooting woes? Definitively no, as long as he is letting it affect his mindset. So he had two 39-point games, and he did it almost entirely by completely changing his approach. He didn't hit eight threes. He became a really high-volume driver, like John Morant. He was finishing in the in the trees. He was drawing all these free throws on drives. It, he was hitting step backs in the mid-range. It wasn't, you know, I'm gonna I'm back to my old self. It was I'm a new guy. And that just isn't, you know, as as incredible as it was to see for five games in a row. That's not sustainable. The shooting is supposed to be sustainable. And so uh, it's been a long time of Fred being inconsistent from three, almost a year, a year in February. Uh, I think he's dealt with a number of serious injuries, particularly to the knees. Um, Another way to tell, and this is knee related, another way to tell when he is consistent from deep, watch on TV. If his three-point arc goes higher then the TV camera, like it leaves the <laughs> actual screen of your TV. I swear, I don't have the numbers for this. I swear he shoots like 80% on those threes. Yeah. He has not put a single one outside of the arc of the three point of the, uh, outside of the arc of the yeah. TV recently. He mm. just hasn't had that moonshot and that's in the knees. That's where he's been injured. So I think Fred is still a good player. Um, the Raptors are built on him being a great player. And so my confidence that he can be great consistently is probably the lowest of, of all the things on the list. I would put that at maybe a four or five. I, I think he can. He very well can. We just had back-to-back 39-point games. I don't think you can expect that every game at this point until he proves otherwise. On some of those numbers around his drives, because it is much better. He's uh, shooting 74% in the restricted area over the last nine games. On the season, 51%. Last season, 56%. So that's a huge spike there. Three-point percentage-wise, down 4% on above the break threes. And last season, he was at least 40% from both corners. This season, 43% from left. Right corner is 33 So what's unfortunate is that even if like you want to we want to say that you know he has turned the corner the the two games previous against Brooklyn and Golden State um he has kind of found a stroke but last night was just an off game because five games in nine days he's played at least 40 in three of them 35 in all of them maybe he was just a little bit tired but he doesn't have that grace right now because yeah. he's been <laughs> he's been uh, so inconsistent from three for such a long time so the Raptors need him to, like case in point last night, the Raptors need him to turn this corner. I, I still have faith that he will be able to turn that turn that corner because, again, uh, if he's able to be this active on drives, then perhaps you know you want to think that he's feeling at least good. And he's hit finishing too. So the body is feeling okay. Obviously, 
less pressure on his knees, less pressure on him offensively was going to help him be a better defensive player. Um, because as you said, I mean, I think you could argue in some ways that, you know, Malachi probably is laterally now than Fred is right right now. But yeah. uh, from a scheme standpoint, from the execution of that scheme, Fred is, you know, second to none. Maybe OG is up there too, but he's still very good. It does just like you're banking on him being able to be a certain kind of player. And if he's not, when you're already again, struggling from three, it does put a huge gap in what the Raptors could be in it. It's, it's a ceiling decreaser when he's not able to be that kind of player. And we just have to see how it goes. I'm going to remain confident that he is going to be able to be that guy. Uh, But yeah, better. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can do, right? Christmas season. That's what it is. Speaking of all this, uh, Pascal Siakam, obviously last night was ridiculous. 10 to 19 on unassisted field goals versus 76ers. He doesn't need much right now to be able to thrive and to be able to be like that top 10, top five, whatever kind of player. Do you think that there will be enough shooting around him as we go throughout the course of this season for him to maintain this level of play? Or are we going to be seeing a lot of what we have been seeing, which is, you know, stack line defenses. He's got four or five people guarding him at all times. He's making the kickouts and the shots aren't being hit. Uh, No, I think he can maintain this level of play um, because uh, a lot of that has to do with OG Ananobi's growth as a second side driver. Um, Even though it wasn't at, at its peak last night, it was his first game back. He was still quite good. You know, he made some dump off passes um, he really grew into the driving, got some free throws, and he was phenomenal before the injury. Scotty Barnes has, not last night, but in previous nights, um, yeah. especially against Brooklyn, was really good as a driver. Great that, one, that one one, that one, sorry, I just wanted to, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. that one where he, uh, Pascal Siakam, found him on the wing, and he just like drove the paint right past Kevin Durant and hit a layup. Like that was, he knew exactly what his intention was, and he and he executed it perfectly, like Maybe you can hit the catch and shoot shot, but you can do stuff like that. That's right. And, and Precious, when he comes back, is also phenomenal at putting yeah. the ball on the ground, getting to the rim, and and uh, and finishing. And and so even if they aren't shooting, there's ways to capitalize on what Siakam creates. Uh, his jumper, when it's hot, is just crazy. Like last night, he oh, you know he started beautiful, out man. beautiful. Uh, he, yeah, he started out getting to the rim. He said, oh, I can do that. That's pretty good. Hit some free throws and he trusted mid-range shot. Then he stepped back, hit some pull-up threes. He just, when his jumper's on, he's he's just totally vanquishing mm. anything any defense can do. Yeah. But even when it's not, he's still really, really effective. He doesn't let it change his game. You know, right now he can have bad shooting games. He can't have bad games. He's just, he's so consistent in his approach. Mm. Um, he just... Siakam is a star no matter what the Raptors do around him. The four previous games before last night, I, I did find that he he was he was making a concerted effort to get in the paint and he wasn't really trusting yeah. his jumper as much. Um yeah. and that's like and that's not even like a bad thing. Like he just, I mean, against Sacramento, like the plan was pretty clear, like get in the paint because they can't stop us. And so he mm-hmm. kept on doing it over and over and over. A couple of chip shots didn't go his way. But even outside of that, he just he wasn't looking to use that mid-range shot as much in the previous games. Um, maybe because he just felt like, you know, against these teams, I have an advantage around the rim. But last night, because of the defense he was against, Joel Embiid back there, PJ Tucker's on ball, he knew that he had to use it, right? And when it's on, man, like it's beautiful. It is a beautiful yeah. thing to watch when he's hitting those mid-range step backs. And also it's probably gonna help his three-point shot too. He shot three of eight last night. 
Um, I think he's up 2% on the season. And just the shot difficulty from three is probably harder this season than last season because a lot of those are probably catch and shoots. But he's hitting some of these like step backs and uh, shots uh, uh, through pull-ups. And it's very encouraging. I, I, I'm... I just wonder, like, as we've gone on this season, especially this last stretch now where the Raptors haven't really had a lot of their shooters, Gary Trent Jr. is also now out, um, we're seeing teams innovate how they guard Pascal. And I wonder where that's going to end up going as we go on the season if the Raptors, you know, don't find some kind of baseline with their three-point shooting. Um, teams are going to put pressure on us saying, I want to see Otto Porter Jr. whenever he does come back. Maybe he's three weeks away, perhaps. I want to see Precious Achua, like Chris Boucher, that young. I recall last night they both missed wide open shots. Those were kind of, I mean, the Raptors did make it like competitive eventually, but those are the kind of shots that you just need those players, whoever it is, just to hit those shots. If you're going to take it from that corner spot and you're wide open and Pascal's, you know, swing, 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 you have the shot. You just need to hit some of these more often than not. And they haven't been going on down uh, this season, but teams are going to start innovating. And uh, granted, most teams don't have as much size as the Raptors have. So there's going to be advantages where they can, you know, find ways to, you know, maybe some high low with OG and Scotty. You can find ways to do it. Uh, Pascal and, and Scotty had some nice uh, two man games in, in overtime there last night, which was great to see because Scotty wasn't really much of a factor in the game last night. Last night, but um, I'm encouraged because even if like they can't be much worse than they already are. Right. Um, Precious comes back. OG finds a baseline. Fred maybe is a decent shooter for the rest of the season. I remain confident that Pasco can continue to average, you know, 25 points. But you see like the impact of Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was so good last night only because he did exactly what his role was. He shot five, five of seven. He hit the shots that he had to hit. And the Raptors don't have a guy that necessarily does that. Gary Trent Jr. Sure. But he's also not six, eight or six, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the defense, if, if teams do opt to guard Siakam differently, that would be amazing for the Raptors. His his approach is built entirely on teams guarding him as forcefully as possible. Like yeah. he has built his game from the free throw line in. If teams say, OK, we're going to we're not going to let you catch in the mid range. Well, that just makes everything way easier. Then he's either. Uh, they're they're either pushing out to the three point line, and other guys just have one on one drives. Like Barnes, even though he had a a, a rough outing against um, against the Sixers, if he's just taking guys one on one with no defenders in the gap and no help, that's the Raptors will win. Say Ananobi, same thing. Uh, yeah. And so, or they just let Pascal catch in the low post, and mm. we've seen it in the low post how phenomenal he is. So, so they are guarding him as. Um, as well as possible to make it difficult. He just, he turns that defense on its head. If they make it easier, that's even better. Um, but uh, he just, he is, he's mastered so much um, that if you, if you decide to take away the hardest thing, mm. that's, he, he just says, thank you. Yeah. I get giddy thinking about what he could be for the rest of the season because his jumper is only going to get better. Like he's probably every single day he's going to the gym 8 a.m. before everyone else. He's continuing to work yep. on it. And his pull-up has gotten better as the season's gone on here. So there's no reason to think it's not going to, it's going to get worse. It's like the, it's like a, the opposite problem of Luka Doncic is that he's got Reggie Bullock and, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, two good players, but they can't do anything if they're not just like hitting those catch and shoot threes. Like they can't attack a closer. They can't finish at the rim. Meanwhile, the Raptors are the opposite. Um, they have guys, well, not exactly, but they have guys that are a little bit inconsistent from three, but they can attack a closer and they can do it well and you can run some different things. But um, obviously having like some kind of, yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, sorry, sorry. To, among rotation players, not a, not including Flynn, Siakam is the highest three point accuracy on the Raptors right now. Oh, very nice. That's a good one. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's unfair to him. He should not. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. <laughs> How much more? Uh, it's like that yeah, meme, right? Where like, hit- yeah, it's like that meme, right? Where like uh, you have the guy on the stage and it's like director, producer, actor, all that kind of stuff. He's doing everything he can possibly do. <laughs> And and you said his jumper will get better. I actually agree. I you know he's shooting thirty four point nine percent. He can shoot better than that, uh, particularly when other guys give give the man a little spacing, right? The question was how how much can he be a star without spacing? Well, you're seeing it right now. That's what he's been to this point. It's not mm. like the spacing can get any worse than it. Oh God, it's true. Knock on wood. <laughs> it's not like the spacing can yeah. get any worse than it's been. Yeah. Every time Wancho shoots, like he's got a bit of that Svenum where it looks like it's going to go in because it's so pretty and then it doesn't. He's consistently hitting one of three um, during his playing time of late. And that's, I mean, not a terrible percentage, but when the looks are open, right? As I've said with other players on the Raptors, when the looks are open, like if you're under under duress and there's pressure on you, you miss a shot, it's fine. But um, within, you know, late fourth quarter, when you've seen a lot of the defenses that that, that team is throwing at you, you just have to start hitting the shots. Like last night with the Raptors, I mean, um, they, you know, their plan of, you know, taking the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands. And sometimes I find that it's a little bit too aggressive. Like Joel's not even in a triple threat position. He's just like standing there at the three-point line. And they just double for no reason. I'm like, okay, why are you doing yeah. this? Because then rotation, rotation, rotation. But then in the first half, Philly was missing those shots. But in the second half, you give NBA players enough reps, they're going to start hitting them. And that's what happened. Um, but the Raptors defense overall was very, very good last night. Scotty Barnes's development. Um, do you worry at all that it's not reaching uh, the level that you would want in the se- in his second season? Because last season was obviously so successful. But do you feel like, you know, this season could be just much of the same? He's not really challenging, being able to challenge himself to grow as an offensive player um, because the Raptors have, have so many weapons. And I mean, his use of last night was 16%, right? Case in point. Um, yeah. That's not enough for him. And we saw how good he can be when he has the ball in certain spots on the court and, you know, him getting downhill. That's where it's really special. I'm on wax before the season uh, as not expecting Barnes to take a huge leap forward. Yeah. Um, in his rookie year, he was uh, phenomenal at a number of components, but they were mm. kind of maxed out. Like he was one of the best finishers from the short range in the league it's yeah. hard to get better than that you know he was unbelievable at, at ducking in from the dunker spot you know little cuts for for dump off passes finishing he was unbelievable at offensive rebounds and putbacks you know he was already everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. One of the best in the league at, at those components. And it's not you're not going to get better than that, right? You're not going to... The, the, the low-hanging fruit, he had plucked the tree bear. <laughs> and so the question was, could he reach the higher fruit to improve? And statistically, there wasn't a ton of uh, indication that he was ready to do that. And we saw the ball in his hands a ton when Siakam was injured. And he, you know, he was actually, I thought, a very good passer. He created well for teammates, should have had many more assists than he had, just run into the same problem as Siakam did. Teammates didn't hit shots. But his scoring went away because he was starting above the break, which means he wasn't in the dunker spot for cuts and dump off passes. He wasn't in the dunker spot for offensive rebounds and putbacks. Uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of his growth, um, such as it is, has come at the expense of what he was already phenomenal at. Uh, it's, it's very hard to learn to put multiple things together in the NBA. And we're seeing that his usage was 16% because he wasn't doing those little dump off finishes last night and he wasn't initiating. So what's he doing for you, right? He he was turning down open threes, which he's actually been quite good at hitting this season, choosing instead to shoot pull-up threes. Yeah. And defensively, he was um, he was better off the ball. He was a, just, you know, a mess on the ball. He has not been himself. And, and it's, you wonder if not that the Raptors are giving him the ability to do enough. I wonder if the Raptors are asking him to do too much. And they need to build a little bit more slowly. Siakam took six years or, or, you know, give or take to get to where he is. He added slowly every season, you know, yeah. in his second, in his, in his rookie season, he, he, they asked nothing of him realistically. In his sophomore year, he ran in transition, played defense. By his third season, he took some corner threes. You know, he cut mm. offensive rebounded. Uh, fourth year, he got some initiation reps above the break. Um, got some screening reps, some isolation, some post-ups. Fifth year, some pick and rolls. Um, sixth year, I feel like I missed a year. I must have missed Tampa. And then at some <laughs> point he became now, right? And yeah. and now he's doing everything. He's in pick and roll. He's he's doing he's yeah. doing everything. Scotty Barnes, they they're asking him, they're asking a lot very quickly. And he's just not shown the ability to keep what he was good at and become good at new things at once. Um, I think long term, I'm very confident in Scotty Barnes. Very confident. Mm. Short term, uh, I just didn't expect him to blow up this year. And similarly, yeah. I don't expect him to blow up now. What do you think is uh, going on with the on-ball defense? He wasn't necessarily good last season either. Um, but I think you, it's fair to say that there was a, just a better degree of you know foot speed Um he was able to keep guys in front of him a little bit more. And uh, this season has not really materialized that way. And off ball, it's always been a bit of a mess, but that's a bit expected with the Raptors. I mean, like you can't compare him to OG, Pascal and Fred because yeah. they're just at a different level with uh, understanding this Raptors defense. And he's not that or Otto who like just understand defense in general because they've been in the, the league for so many years. But um, what do you think's going on there? So, um, so, you know, there's the injury, the ankle and the knee stuff, I think does impact him. But I think more importantly, uh, in the game of chess, when, when players are playing a tournament, um, 
there come games when uh, you have to win because in chess, the most likely outcome at the highest level is a draw. And, you know, sometimes you have to win a game for whatever reason uh, in a tournament or a match play. And when that happens, you know, these grandmasters uh, will use openings that are technically wrong. They will put themselves at a disadvantage. Oh, I know where you're uh, going with this. Go ahead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, to, to, just to put them to make it yeah. chaotic. Yeah. And so, you know, um, uh, they'll, you know, they will intentionally innovate in the wrong way just to get opening books out of the window so that chaos is happening and maybe they can out tactic tactic this guy to get a win and you know for a lot of players that it works quite well it is it's not just um it's not just a gut thing it's statistically the right move when you need a win you can't let the other guy open with a berlin if you know anyway um i don't know chess i'm sorry i know checkers <laughs> and so scotty barnes uh, knows the Raptors need turnovers because if they're not getting a turnover, they're not stopping anyone. Their defense on not turnovers, possessions that aren't turnovers, is comparable to the Charlotte Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, the Houston Rockets. Oh God, stop! And, yeah, no, it's the four. It's the four teams tanking for women, uh, oh, and, and they're right there. If they don't get a, if any team doesn't get a turnover for possessions that aren't turnovers, the Raptors are yeah the second worst defense in the league. Uh, Scotty Barnes knows that. And so he is throwing out the book and saying, well, let's get in rotation. Let's do, let's do some chaos so that maybe we can out tactics these guys. But the problem is you can't throw out the book on move one, right? You need to have six moves before you make an innovation to make it chaotic. And he's yeah. giving up low buys immediately. One dribble gone. And then he's rotating, but to what? Because the he guys doesn't know the where making a layup. Yeah, he doesn't know exactly. And, or he doesn't know where also, to go. Yeah. Even if he is going to the right place, the defense isn't able to force the driver to pass mm. because he's already at the rim. And so it doesn't matter if Barnes is rotating at the right spot. The ball's not going to that spot anyway. It's going in the yeah. net. And so he needs to, to build a base of solidity before he freelances. You know, those innovations, you still open with, you know, the French. You just play six moves of the French rather than 14 moves of the French. These grandmasters, when they need to win, he's playing zero. And, mm. and, and Barnes right now needs to um, find the balance. And I get what he's doing. I, I get the point, but it's just, it's not yeah. sufficient right now because it's not forcing turnovers. It's just giving up layoffs. What do you think his role should be offensively for the rest of the season? What would be a, a uh, good mark for him? Yeah. Offensively. I think he should be doing a lot of what OG Ananobi is doing. Yeah. Uh, Ananobi, for all of his shooting brilliance, is not a shooter on the move, right? He, he's not chopping his steps around a screen, you know, and shooting off balance, rising up over guys. And Barnes is a good, you know, catch and shoot, stable shooter. He's not able to shoot on the move, but you can still run him off pin downs. You know, I think they should start him in the corner, run him off pin downs, try to get open shots. If he's not shooting, get let him drive. You know, a couple post touches, some some you know some handoff stuff, um, which he's been really good at that trigger man and the handoff. Yeah, um, he has uh, a lot of viability in a lot of different uh, areas. Ananobi for so long, the Raptor said, you're, you're three and D just, just shoot threes. He's not, he's so much better than that. 
And Scotty Barnes, and, and this season's a good example of you can give a guy touches that aren't just open shots or you run an offense. There's a lot in between those two things, right? Stand in the corner or run the whole show. There's so much more. And, and right now, Barnes is kind of just become standing in the corner and there's a lot you can you can set screens and cut behind them you can run off screens you can you know duck in there's a lot of meat on the bone and and they're just they're throwing it elsewhere or he's you know opting not to eat it I don't know but there's a lot more touches he could get even with Siakam running things and just getting him on the move, like him going to the rim yeah. with uh, with speed is where you want it to be. And that's what the Nets game showed us is when he's able to do that and there's spacing that allows him to do it, it can be very effective. Um, I, I talk a lot. We talk a lot about the, you know, the Raptors half court offense. And I actually don't think like what they're trying to do is wrong. I just think the execution um, from each player on the court, like when it comes to doing things with intent and purpose, I think that could be better. I think, you know, if they can take a little bit from the Boston Celtics with, you know, it's a very basic offense, but everything is done very quickly. It's done fast. And there's deception involved, slips, uh, deception, cuts to the rim, things like that. Like, they're very good at it, and they have five guys who can do it. And Scotty Barnes, I mean, even last night, like, Thad Young got Joel Embiid, faked rebel handoff, he went to the rim, and he hit a a layup. Like, there's no reason why Scotty Barnes can't do that, too. He can probably do it better, actually. And I think more of that would be good. It's simplifying the process for him. Um, As I said, OT, um, Scotty Barnes. Uh, Pascal, they run a two-man game. He gets a little floater over Joel Embiid. That was terrific. Like, keep on doing that. Tap into it. But you want OG and Scotty moving to the rim because when they're doing that, they're backing guys down, they're creating space, and they're both willing passers, good passers who are going to find the open man. Um, I think the Raptors could definitely tap into that because their half-court offense, when it gets slow, when they stop moving, and part of that last night was because they were tired and over time, but earlier on in the game, like the ball was moving very quickly and no one was holding on to the ball too long. And if you have way too many on-ball players who are just holding the ball, nothing's happening. Zero. That's exactly it. And uh, they got to be- Coloco didn't play. No, he didn't. Kambersh took his minutes. And I think he should have. Which is also like, you know, if Coloco's not playing, why is Scotty Barnes not getting more pick and roll touches before overtime? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, which, I mean, the Coloco thing is yeah. another conversation. I completely agree with you, by the way. I, I was really impressed with Kem's um, defense. He's um, been my, playing the past three the weeks. Barnes. Kem should have been playing for the past three weeks. Like, Kem should be playing right now. I don't get why he they're not. He looks good when he plays. He, he's bouncy yeah. on defense. Uh, you know, he, he's he's um, boxing out. He's I think he looks really strong on defense uh, in a way that his knee didn't really allow him to last season. And it seems like everyone forgot that. I understand you want to develop Coloco. And I was like, you know, when coming into the season, I was in the camp that, hey, maybe Coloco can be serviceable for 10, 15 minutes. But now we're seeing the process. And defensively, you know, he's doing what the Raptors were looking for from him for the most part in terms of just being like that anchor big. But uh, offensively, not being able to dunk the ball, I didn't anticipate that would be as big of an issue as it is. Um, but Cam, I mean, even last night, there was a play where uh, it was a bit of a broken play and Fred just like pitched it to Cam along the baseline. And he just like moved his body to create a screen and it was just like a little chip shot to to fred in the in the in the corner and fred hit one of his two threes little stuff like that that's like that veteran presence and he's a safe option for i think he's going to play a lot you know coming up here because there's a lot of big centers on the way to toronto down yeah. the stretch of december here but i think there's a role for cam and maybe they do just make the pivot saying cam birch is going to get those 10 minutes or so um i think it'd be good for their defense 
right and right now they need to prioritize like they need to play safer basketball you know i think the story of last night if you had to encapsulate it in one play was the double lob og and obi and scotty barnes are in transition og throws up like a two-hand underhand lob that i mean i guess it out it outpaces barnes he's not able to jump and and finish but he could just catch it and go up instead he throws a little bat tap lob back to ananobi they need to be solid mm-hmm. that was not solid basketball you're on a no. six game losing streak and kem is solid so so i agree with yeah. you kem is uh giving you know offensively he's he's taking away a lot so too is coloco by the way and and so it's not like you're losing anything there solidity is what you need on defense and and and, and that's what kem gives you Malachi Flynn, will he continue to get rotation minutes as the Raptors get healthy? He's had a few a few good games here. Um, I thought, similar to Kem, I thought he should have been getting playing time a few games ago. That Sacramento game comes to mind where he probably could have helped. And, you know, Nick Nurse, I think it was after uh, the or before the Brooklyn game. He was like, yeah, I'm disappointed I didn't put him in for the past three games. I'm like, why didn't you? He shot 7 of 17 from three over the past three games. A couple of looks, you know, probably makeable, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, how have you thought he's fared so far this season and uh, what's his outlook for the rest of the year? That was such a, um, we're trying to find the guy who did this meme moment when, when, you know, with the hot dog costume and nurse said he was frustrated that, that Malachi wasn't playing at whom are you frustrated? Anyway, um, <laughs> I would say seven. I stopped giving you numbers and my confidence levels. I'm returning to the number That's seven. Okay. I'm confident yeah. he's going to keep playing. Now there's a, I'm sort of copying out because a lot of that is, I'm worried about Gary Trent Jr.'s injury. Um, the way Nurse described it, he said there's hamstring stuff in both legs. Hamstring? He's, I think hamstring. In Thigh, both legs. Quad, yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. Quad, and we yeah. don't know what it is. We're trying to get more information. That's very concerning and uh, makes it seem like I don't think we can expect Trent back anytime soon. As mm. long as Trent's out, I think it's you can expect Malachi to be playing. He's that sort of third shooter that you need. Uh, yeah. and I, you know, I think he's been mostly quite good. He's, you know, he shot well, even though he didn't shoot well against uh, Philly. I thought he had, you know, his, his, one of his lesser games, he still mixed in a nice drive, a little floater off glass. He got called for a foul on a drive that I thought was actually a push off, not a foul on Malachi. He, you know, he's a, he's a, um, among defenders, he is maybe Toronto's um, best outside of OG at just keeping a guy in front of him. Uh, now, people can usually just score on top of him because he's unfortunately quite slight, but but he really doesn't give up blow yeah. buys, which yeah. the Raptors need. You know, he, he gives value. He gives a lot of value. There's a lot of meat left on the mm-hmm. bone. You know, if he's not running pick and rolls and he's not hitting threes, I'm not certain he's really chipping in on offense. His passing yeah. is only unlocked if he puts like seven dribbles before he actually throws the pass, which is really not helpful. Um, so, you know, there's there's stuff that aren't that isn't great, but he does things that no one else does as long as uh, or no, no, uh, no non-star does as long as Trent is injured and uh, the Raptors need him. And for that alone, I think he will be playing. Yeah, I, I think there's something to it. <clears throat> the Gary thing um, is a sound point. We don't know where that's going to be going. And 
Um, the Raptors being unsure about it too is a little bit scary. But for Malachi, the upside of giving him playing time is that you could potentially get to a point where, you know, Fred's sitting and Malachi is playing. And we're looking for avenues where uh, Fred can rest, um, OG, really all the starters, right? And if you want to, you know, you still want, you know, Scotty and Pascal probably doing some of the, the on-ball opportunities and handling that responsibility. But if you have a capable catch-and-shoot player along the wing, obviously very valuable. Uh, defensively, I, I have been, you know, pretty happy with how things have gone. He's only going to get better uh, in transition, a bit spotty at times, but I think the Raptors as a whole last night weren't very good at all <laughs> in transition, especially like that stretch where um, I think Philly went on like a 21-4 run or whatever, like their transition defense Oof. was awful. Yeah. But again, because of their half-court offense was terrible. But in the end, instincts, being responsible, knowing where to be, and again, being able to keep guys in front of him, valuable skill. It's not even something that Gary Trent Jr., who I think the Raptors are missing because of his shooting ability, isn't necessarily the best at. So I think it's here to stay. Obviously, they still want to make Delano. (laughs) They're going to prioritize Delano's development. They've shown that time and time again that they think that he has higher upside, which he does. But when it comes to just getting wins, which I I think the Raptors are in that phase now, play Cam, play Malachi, they're better options. I think Malachi will probably stay from that standpoint. However, though, you could argue that maybe the Raptors could just, you know, make a trade because the flaws are obvious. They need shooting guard depth, playmaking depth. They could use an actual anchor big. Um, Ken Birch is good, but there's probably people out there that could do it a lot better. Where do you think that lands? Confidence that the Raptors will address roster flaws via trade at some point this season. Um, I'm ha- I I I'm quite confident. A- another seven that they will make a trade. Oh, really? Um, I don't think a very big one. Um, but I think there's there's things that need to happen on the roster that you would like to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I really would have liked to have seen a guy like Lonnie, Lonnie Walker uh, come to Toronto this past off season. I like Otto Porter Jr. I thought he was a nice signing, but uh, unfortunately, he's not really on the team at the moment. He's played almost none. Um, he's looked good when he has. <laughs> you see, he's it. looked good when he has. Uh, it would be nice to have, uh, you know, as much as he's a good shooter, defender, a good cutter, someone who actually can put the ball on the floor a little bit uh, on top of all that stuff, which is where guard uh, stuff. I like Lonnie. Guard stuff, you know? Guard Guards. stuff. Guards. <laughs> uh, you know, if if Washington has a um, you know a fire sale, Monty Morris would be a guy that I would just try to move heaven and earth to acquire. If you can keep a pick, uh, you know, back. Um, everyone talks about Pirtle. The upside is obvious. They just need someone to protect the rim. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who can just close off the advantages you open elsewhere because you're gonna open advantages if you insist on playing the style. And yeah. they do insist on playing it. So someone has to close it and they don't have anyone who can, yeah. you know, it's like you're, you're, you're insisting on lobbing meatballs to this Love to meatballs. The opposing Love hitters meatballs. and you, and you have the fence moved up. Okay. Well, you need to move the fence back and Pirtle <laughs> yeah. can do that. Or it's just home run after home run. And so, you know, a guy like him, I would just be ecstatic to acquire. Yeah. Um, I think also on top of that internally, you know, I think fans are very aware of this. It's something that's been made a big deal of. But Toronto's books are, you know, the, the devil is coming due in Toronto's finances. Um, Pascal, Fred, OG, and Gary are all ad- are all about to get fairly momentous raises. Um, over in the, the next terms two of seasons. Pascal, two off seasons over the next two off seasons, yes, yes, that's right. 
In terms of Pascal and OG, um, I think there's almost no amount you want you would not pay them. Like they just you give them their money and you say thank you to both of them. Um, I think Fred had he not had this happened had this last year not happened, it would have been the same thing. He was a star level guy mm. who's unfortunately been struggling. Um, I would I would like him to stay with the Raptors and just turn his game around. I think, you know, Gary sort of financially seems like the odd man out. Um, he's on a player option, could opt out this offseason and probably will get, you know, a lot of money, something like 18, 17, 20 million dollars a year. Yeah. If the Raptors are going to give so much to OG and Pascal, you, you know, you have to wonder if you you move one of those mm-hmm. four maybe even two of those four mm-hmm. um, before uh, the contracts just sort of kick the, kick the ball down the road. Um, I hate the financial stuff. It's not really my beat. I, I try not to um, pay huge attention to it, but the reality is there. The Raptors have been on the books. They're not going to pay the luxury tax unless they think they're a championship contender. And it's hard to convince yourself that this team is a championship contender. Yeah. Uh, therefore trades seem likely. Yeah. Um, one more question after this, but just a quick follow-up. Would you prioritize um, a big or getting that playmaking guard who can shoot and penetrate the paint? Um, uh, I think setting those two as mutual exclusive options is fair enough. <laughs> uh, unfair. I think you have to prioritize both. Like, yeah. you know, maybe you don't get Monty Morris and and Jakob Pertle because those are two just like, that's tough. That that would be a huge that that would be a a, a you know a f- future altering trade deadline if you're able to do that. But you can do piecemeal, like you can get a seven footer who's going to play twelve minutes a game, who's not going to necessarily be a starter. You know, um, Thomas Bryant type of guy. Actually, he's probably even better. Daniel Gafford maybe yeah. uh, type of guy, um, or from the guard spot, even if it's not. Um, you know, a phenomenal creator and shooter. Um, I haven't really thought about options yet. <laughs> Feel free to to save me from yeah. this floundering I'm about to do. I'm not really sure but, actually either. I just, I was curious, like just from a positional standpoint, which one you prioritize? Um, I mean, they're both obvious needs. Uh, you me, need was, both. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you need do. both. To me, I was in the camp of getting um, some kind of playmaking guard only because I think that helps raise your team ceiling more this season. But in the end, you you need that at some point. I think they still want to, you know, use this uh, vision. They want to keep on using, you know, OG at center sometimes. Precious is going to be there sometimes. It's going to be a bit of a, a rotating rotating door with that fifth starter spot. But you do need both. I think this this season, because their half-court offense and shooting is so bad, and it could help this get them like a few notches higher on that side of the court, which is going to help their defense be better. But again, both are absolutely needed. Final question for you, Lewis, before I let you go, your confidence that Toronto can rebound and avoid the play-in tournament. Good question. Uh, I would say... I'll give you a second, actually. I'll give you a second. I'll lay the land for people because there's a few factors to look at this. Okay, so um, the roughest part of their December schedule is about to come. Um, the first part that we, where they've lost all these games, it's actually not as bad as what's coming. Cavs, Clippers, Grizzlies, Suns. Um, after the Knicks game on, uh, what day is it? Friday or whatever day it is. That's their next five games for the rest of the month. So they've already lost six in a row. 
that could potentially become 11 very quickly. The Knicks are playing decent basketball. They've won seven straight. Yeah. Um, looking at their outlook, they're sixth right now. They got three guys putting up 20 points per game. Um, defense, Tibbs, we know how that goes. The Hawks and the Pacers are the other teams that are above the Raptors along with the Heat. The Heat are going to be a factor provided they're healthy. Um, the Hawks, I don't think they're very good, um, but they're in there now. They're a 500 team. That's probably where they're going to be this season. The Pacers are a nice story, but they're also... Four and 13 versus teams above 500. So their day is coming. That's how it is. Then you got the Raptors are where they are. So again, can the Raptors avoid the plan and grab that sixth play or playoff spot? Because I think the teams above them are probably going to stay there. I am um, torn because in a vacuum, I think the Raptors are better than a lot of those teams that are above them right now in the standings. Uh, not the Cavs, not the Celtics, no. not the Bucks, no, the Nets or anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they could have a better regular season record than if you were to start the season today. But they they have a huge gap to make up. It's it's not just are they better? Are they? They're what? They're they're five games below five hundred now. Four you games back expect... of that six spot. By the way, I didn't say that. Four games back of that six spot. Yeah, right four now. games back. Not just are they better. Are they four games better mm. over the remaining 50, right? You don't have a full season to be four games better. No. And so we've talked a lot about, are we confident their defense will turn around? That Siakam will stay a star? That Fred will bounce back? <laughs> that Scotty yeah. will improve? And even if we are confident about each of them individually, the odds of those all occurring together and in, a, in 50 games to make up four on all those teams above them, that's tight, man. That is yeah, your margin for is. error in a, in the whole season has become what your margin for error is in an individual game, which yeah. is almost new. You know, you've lost a couple games to, to Brooklyn, to, to Philadelphia. That really will haunt this team to Orlando as well. That first Orlando loss. Yeah. They, they played well. They gave it up at the end or, you know, they gave it up in the beginning, played well to bring it back, mm. and couldn't close the gap. I just, I, I do not feel like this team mm. is uh, has shown it can be trusted to put everything together over and over and over again. Yeah, um, I think they, if they do make the plan, I think they're probably quite likely to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I um, would agree. You know, so and, and I also think they're they're too good to tank. Um, mm -hmm. You don't trade Pascal Siakam. That's unprecedented. A player at his skill level, at mm -hmm. his age, at his uh, uh, desire to be in the team, at his point in his contract, has never been traded no. in the history of the NBA. Um, and uh, even if you trade everybody else, you're, you're too good to tank. Pascal on his own makes that true. And so... Uh, you know these these six games uh, stand in stark evidence against that, but I do I do believe that, a sure. and so um, the Raptors are left having to make up ground because they don't have any other option. Yeah. Um, so you know I'm confident that they won't tank. I'm confident they that they can't tank, um, and they will try to make up ground whether they can. Uh, not not so sure, but I don't think they'll miss the playoffs entirely. I'm with you. 100%. Um, I think they will eventually improve, 
Um, injuries have played a factor. We can't say it hasn't, but their margin for error is very small because of the vision, because of how committed they are to 6A, 6 Let's figure out the rest. And when you're missing some of those key players, things are going to look like, well, how they've looked over the past few games. And that has been a factor um, with this team going back to last season. They turned a corner last year when they got some uh, better injury luck. Things went their way. Sure, Fred was out, but um, uh, collectively as a unit, they were able to go forward when they were able to maximize the size that they had. And, you know, Pascal and Scotty, for a little while, they were running the show. Can they do it again? Things just kind of went their way. Precious, again, he improved his three-point shooting. Chris Boucher, he also improved his three-point shooting last season. Things just started rolling in the right way. So the cards went their way last season. Is it going to happen two years in a row? That's hard, really hard to bank on. Not impossible, but the East is much better. Um, every single matchup, as we've seen with the Raptors this season, is every single night you can lose. And um, that is the nature of the NBA now. Parity is back. It's great for the league. The Magic have been, they just beat the Boston Celtics. Like, they're a real team now. They're very good. Well, very good, yeah. but they're good, right? They, they, they're a they're team good. that could be anyone on any given night. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not sold on it, but I don't think this season's a failure necessarily. Even if they lose in the first round, if they don't get through the play-in, that would be a failure. But if they make the playoffs... They lose to a very good team. I think that's okay because they haven't put all their cards on the table yet. That probably happens next season. And last year, you know, we talked about needing a, a guard who can shoot, attack the rim, and a big who can, you know, def- protect the rim, you know, close off. Precious became both of those things in the second half of last year. He, did. he was hitting threes. He was attacking the rim. He was closing off holes as a big. Precious became a combination of, of Monte Morris and Jakob Pertl. Uh, if that happens again, you're laughing. You don't. You don't need to make a trade. It's true. And maybe a trade means they're they are able mm-hmm. to to close close the gap and 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 make the playoffs. So you know, there's there's still possibilities left. A uh, lot of season left to play. For all of our lack of confidence, a lot of season. Left. What's coming up for you, Lewis? Anything fun you want to tell the people? What's on the way? Um, so a couple times this season and. Um, We'll be continuing. Um, I've been writing for the Milwaukee Bucks, which is cool, like for the team itself. Nice. Um, so you can find my work there at bucks.com. Uh, continue writing about league-wide stuff at 538. And, of course, the Raptors uh, at Raptors Republic. So lots of work. You can catch catch all of that at that uh, at all those different places. But as always, man, it's so much fun chatting Raptors with you. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Um, everyone, happy holidays. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe out there. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you, Lewis. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.